Amen, amen. You know, while, while we're getting everything set up here, you know, the reckless love of God that we were singing this morning, and it, this has just been on my heart all week long. I, I, really, I really am praying that God just manifests Himself in each and every one of us with His love in a way that it just oozes out of us. Have you ever had something just ooze out of you? You know, you know, some people, they're more like Bree than they are like a Jolly Rancher. You know, you get a little bit of that, that ooey gooey Bree and you're like, whoa. But then it's pretty good, right? You know what? Every one of us has the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us if we've been saved. You know, if you've been saved and I can tell that, we, okay, we're up and ready. Okay, if you've been saved, then you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And that Spirit, it's made to come out. You know that the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you, when you became a new creature in Christ Jesus, that, that it just, it was designed to come through your mind, your will, and your emotions. And once you get your mind, your will, and your emotions in check with the Holy Spirit, then it just comes out of your body. You know, I have a friend of mine, Brad Holloman, that <clears throat> I, I did ministry with for years. Y'all have met Brad, most of you. And lovely man. In fact, he is so great at just being himself that this probably didn't even have to happen for him. But I was the opposite, okay? I was the kind of person that I was a little bit, I, I was a little bit just edgy all the time. He called me, uh, at first it was like I was a baseball bat with Nerf wrapped around it, you know. <laughs> he said, my personality, he goes, he goes, you hit him. He goes, you soften it just a little bit, but you still knock him down. <laughs> and that was the way that my personality was. But you know that the longer that I let the love of God just keep coming out of me, do you know that I, my receptiveness, my ability to, to go through things gives me, I don't know, I, I'm no longer a baseball bat. You know, sometimes I have to control myself, of course. But do you know that my, my first reaction, the, the way things are coming out of me, there's a love tint to it now. I mean... Go ask my sister. She probably will tell you about all the times where we used to beat her up when she was, you know, uh -huh. when she was little. Me and my friends, we used to get, um, we used to get all of our, our friends together and we would wrestle. Have you ever wrestled when you was a kid, you know? We would do the WWE thing. It'd be like, you know, out there on the trampoline and Lindsay would be like, I want to play with y'all. It was like, she wanted us to play like, you know, uh, with teacups and things like that. Uh -huh. We'd get her out there, we'd put her in like in a, you know, the, the rack, you know. So, you know, we got it honest. But do you know that the love of God will change even the most desperate heart? The love of God will, will soften the most hardened heart. The love of God will create opportunities for you to love. You may go, I don't want to love anybody right now. Well, you will after today. Or you'll at least start on a path of understanding what the true love of God is because it is, it is different than you think. 
It is absolutely different than you think. If you've never heard anybody teach on the love of God like this, then you're going to see that the love of God itself is going to be something that manifests by our thoughts and our choices. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and get us started here. Everybody should know this. I mean, if you've watched uh, Tim Tebow, he puts it under his eyes and everything else. It's like John 3.16. How many people know John 3.16? In fact, it was, it's, if you go ask people what's the only Bible verse that you know, they say John 3.16. But I'm going to tell you what. They don't know what John 3.17 and John 3.18 says. Now, John 3.16 by itself is an awesome, awesome verse. But this is the thing. You just don't know how awesome it is until you go into the other verses. God loves you and we're going to see it. John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved, this word loved is agape. It's the God kind of love. In fact, we're going to see it here in a minute. I'm going to break it down for you. You're going to have a, a fuller understanding of what this word is in the Greek. But the word agape, it means to choose. In fact, I'm going to show you, it's like, it's like if I get to choose anything and I'm out here and I go, well, I can choose him, but I'm not going to choose her and I'm not going to choose you, but I'm going to choose her. See, that's the thing is that choice, free will comes with true love. That's why God created us the way that he did is because he wants us to love him. He doesn't want to make us love him. And see, we need to have the ability to choose to love. You can choose not to love. You can choose not to do a lot of different things. You can choose to do lots of things. But see, we need to understand that the God kind of love is the love that chooses. For God so chose the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now this world right here is anon. It means that it's, it's the system of the world. See, we're not talking about, oh, well, you know, the ground and the atmosphere and, you know, everything that's within the, the sphere of the world. We're talking about the system. God loved all of the people within the system. And it says right here that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This this life right here is the Zoe life. See, when it says everlasting life and you find the Zoe there, that means that it's the God kind of life. It means that, that if you had a bad life, how many people you, you, you've had bad things happen to in your life? You know what? Everybody has. But do you know that God says, I'm going to supersede from an everlasting perspective. I'm going to go fix all the things in your past. I'm going to fix all the things in your present. And you have a future. See, the love of God, the Zoe kind of life that he wants to give you, is he wants to give you the life that is abundant. It is, it's moving us forward. See, too often I think, you know, if this is the, the past and this is the, the future, a lot of times we're looking this way all the time. How many people, you've got kids and they're, they're grown. I've got, I've got one that got married last year and I've got a senior in high school. You know, a lot of times I want to get very, how many people like to get weepy about, you know, remembering your kids? Yeah. Oh, it's nostalgic. I remember when they were babies, you know, and you will sit down and you'll think about those things. And those are good. 
I'm not saying it's not. But this is the thing. You've got to move away from this, looking in the past, to looking at what you've got right now and what the future is going to hold. You know what? Eventually I'm going to have grandkids. And eventually my son's going to get married and he's going to have a job and he's going to have all these things. And it's going to be great. Amen. Amen. See, the God kind of life is I want to give you a hope and a future. I, I want to give you the things that God, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, other people, that's other people's favorite scripture, right? Oh, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, he gave me a hope and a future. But you know, when you go read Jeremiah 29, 1 through 10, it tells you what the future is that he wants to give you. He says, even if you're in the midst of the worst things that are going on, because they were in Babylon. Even if you're in the midst of the worst things, I want you to create, I want you to go get married and have kids and create houses and grow gardens and I want you to prosper where you're at. See, too often we look back, well, I lost a job or I had an opportunity and I missed that opportunity. But see, you need to understand that when God says, I want to give you a hope and a future, it's not just saying, I want to give you this, you know, this, I'm going to give you billions of dollars. I'll take it. I mean, if anybody wants to give it to me, I have billions of dollars, I'll take it. I got a lot of good things I can go do with it. But I want you to understand that when God is talking to us about building a hope and a future, He is saying in the midst of wherever you're at, you can be in the best place, you can be in the worst place. You can be in a third world country living in a grass hut and God says that you are to go and live life. And he's going to bless it and prosper it and it's going to be the best life. You know, I've got friends that lived here that are in Africa. They are missionaries and they come back here and they think this is a third world country. They're living in actual sheds and they're like, I, I want to go back. When can I get back? Can I get a visa that lasts more than just like six months? I want to live there. I want to die there. That's my place. You know why? Because they have seen their hope and future in a particular place and they're good with it. See, a lot of times we don't see beyond ourselves and where we're at. We live in the most prosperous country. The people who make the least amount of money still are richer than the people that are in India. It's truth. You know, one of the things I want you to understand is that when we're building this hope and future is that we don't need to lose sight of the things God is trying to give us and that everlasting life. It means that I need to let go of the past. I need to live in the present. And I need to see a good future. And it says here in verse 17, this is where everybody, it just goes off the rails because most people don't understand verse 17. But verse 17 is awesome. And it says, For God did not send His Son unto the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. Do you know that a lot of people, if you go out and find an atheist, you go find an agnostic, and they're like, well, you know, if we don't believe in Jesus, we go to hell. Nope. Nope, you're wrong. You are already going to hell. God didn't have anything to do with that. That was Adam and Eve and the spirit that was put in Adam and Eve and goes now with us. That We have a dead spirit. Have you ever seen somebody who's trying to drag, like if there was, if there was a dead 
person, let's just say you were on a, a jailbreak because everybody were prisoners to the, to the devil and to the world and its system. And all of a sudden, the, they, they locked your ankle to another person's ankle and then they shot that person. Well, that's the way your spirit is before you get saved. And you're dragging that sucker around. You know that most of the people that live in the world, they have a mentality that, that they're trying to get somewhere. They're trying to find that thing. How many people know, well, I'm going to go find myself. That's the number one world's thing. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to find myself. I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to Tibet and I'm going to go sit on top of a mountain and I'm going to go um, um, until I find myself. You know that there is no finding yourself when you don't have a spirit that's alive. Sorry. They will find things. You know, there's plenty of rich people that build, you know, hospitals and and give to charities and all this other stuff. And people go, well, that's good. That's good. They're doing good works. That's money. That's physical. But they didn't do anything in the spirit, nor did they plant any seeds in anybody. All they did was feed a belly. You know that feeding people is good. I have no problem with it. But do you know that if all you do is feed people, but you don't feed their soul and their spirit, then guess what's going to happen? You will have just had a whole bunch of dead people. Sorry, it doesn't help anybody whatsoever if you feed them. Because they didn't become alive in Christ. This is one of the reasons why it's so important for us to understand verse 18. And it says here, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. See, God was sending the Calvary in when He sent Jesus. He was sending somebody in to save everybody from themselves. Because they were a part of a dead spirit. Back, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we have become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things, the old things have passed away and now they become new. You know, when we accept Jesus Christ, we get this new spirit that's on the inside of us. You know, people go, I used to say this all the time, and Heather, she's not in here, but when I first got a hold of this revelation, I would say, I'm one-third God on the inside of me. And she'd go, you can't say that out loud. Well, why not? That's what it means. That's what it means is that we accepted Jesus into our hearts. It means our spirit, our soul, and our body we're a three-part being, just like God is a three-part being. You got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have spirit, soul, and body. That's the image of God that we were created in. And see, that's what I want you to understand is that when God created in us this spirit, then what happened is, is that we became into the family of God. That's one of the reasons why he calls us sons and daughters is because now you've been adopted. You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of you. And there should be some shouting. We should rip the roof off this place. 
You should be going, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to start speaking to some things. We're going to see some things change. But typically we'll get saved and we get stuck. Nobody knows where to go next. See, the love of God, it's there and it's, it's powerful. It wants to give you the opportunity to speak into your world. In fact, it says right here, these people are already condemned, but he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Do you know that the people who don't believe in Jesus's name, why is his name important? Why is that an important part of this verse? Why did I underline it? Was it just because underline was real fun and I wanted to do it? No, it was because it says not believing in, in the name of Jesus. See, the name of Jesus is power because it's authority. If Jesus wasn't power and authority, he would not be Lord. You know, kings, and, and this is all the way back, all the way to Saul, all the way back beyond it. The kings would have all these magistrates. And, you know, they would have an insignia ring, and it would be like my class ring here. And uh, it would say, it would have the king's seal on it. And the king would give certain powers unto certain people in order to be able to speak beyond, be, on his behalf. And so they would actually take wax and they would take that, that ring and they would mash it in there. And if they saw that on a document that I wrote, let's say I'm the magistrate, I wrote a document and I was making it a decree. If I took the king's ring and I put it on that as a seal... Guess what? Everybody said, that's, that's as good as the king saying it. Do you know that this is the same thing that God put the seal upon our heart? In fact, it's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come in and he has created in our hearts the ability for us to now speak his name. And if we believe on his name, then we can say his name and it moves mountains. Amen. So condemned versus Zoe life, you know, the condemned kind of life is the officially declared for unfit for use. Do you know that essentially everybody before Jesus Christ was unfit for use? It means that they were unfit for the kingdom. They were unfit for themselves. They were unfit for them, their family. And this is why Jesus came. So I just wanted to give you that tidbit. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through some of these words that you see. So there's like, there's like three words that you see over and over in the Bible for love. Okay? And you can go find this. If, you go find, if you've got a Strong's Concordance, I use the Blue Letter Bible. It's got all the Strong's Concordances in there and stuff. But there's really only like three main uh, uses of love that is in the Bible from a Greek perspective. And what you have to understand is, is that the way that word is used gives you a different context by which Jesus or any of the disciples wanted to use it, right? So the agape kind of love, it's, it's charity, it's the love of God for a person and for a person back to God. It is a love feast. You know, I use the word smorgasbord. I just like the term. I like the way it sounds. It comes off the tongue, smorgasbord. If somebody says, hey, we're going to go to lunch, and they say smorgasbord, I am jumping in line because I get to go choose what I want to eat. 
you know, a lot of people don't like the Chinese place that we went to. You know, you go to King's Buffet over here, there's a ton of stuff over there. And people go, well, I don't like it. It's not really quality. But you get to choose anything you want. See, that's the thing about a smorgasbord is that I get to choose anything. God got to choose anything and everything. And guess who he chose? He chose you. That is good. He could have went and chose something else. He could have went and created another world full of other people that would have been maybe better than Adam and Eve. He could have. But the moment in in Genesis chapter 3 that he found out that they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. That means they got to create what was good and evil in their mind. And we see this all the time, even today. Oh, well, it's good to have an abortion. Oh, it's just a clump of cells. It's this. Or, hey, it's good for you, for you to go and you know take drugs and do things. People create in their own minds good and evil all the time. It's just the plight of Adam and Eve eating the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Whatever God says is good is good, and whatever he says is evil is evil, and we don't get to choose. But what happened is, is that we became knowledgeable about our ability to choose. This right here is what we get to, to do now. As God chose you, you get to choose others. The agape kind of love, the God kind of love gets to come out of you. Eros, oh, this is the, oh, I, I saw her. I thought she looked good. See, that's what Eros is. That's the, that's the ooh, I find her attractive. See, this kind of love is the kind of love that is like, I have an intimate kind of love. You know, one of the things about this kind of love is that we don't even just have to have it for men and women. We can have it for cars. We can have it for guitars. By the way, look at my baby right here. You know, whoo, goodness. Anyway, I'll, I'll, leave her, I'll leave her alone, all right? See, this is what I want you to understand is that this kind of love gets you in trouble. This is the kind of love that will make you spend everything that you got. It'll make you wish you, you could spend more. See, this is the problem about, about the Eros kind of love is that it is a lusting kind of love. Phileo, you know, we get uh, how many people? Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, right? It was created by this Greek word. In fact, phileo means between equals, uh, specifically like brotherly love. This right here means that there's an equality of familiarity. We have this, this bond. It may be a little bit like this. I like to play guitar and all of a sudden somebody comes up to me and goes, man, I love your guitar. I play guitar too. I would love to have. You know what? That makes me like them do you know what like means it means that i want to be like you and you want to be like me see love is different the god kind of love is completely different because i don't have to like you in order to love you how many people just went what aren't i supposed to like you first and then i'm supposed to love you no the answer is you are supposed to love even if you don't like anything about them. 
If somebody's a hunter and you don't, well, I just don't like being around it because all they talk about is hunting. Okay. But do you love them? See, I don't strive for like. I strive for love. Because love is a choice. I get to choose who I love. It's a verb. It's a verb. Absolutely. Do you know that I choose my wife every single day? We may not have, you know, there may be a problem every single day that we're running into and I still choose her. See, the God kind of love is not just, well, I thought she was pretty and I thought she was awesome, you know, 26, 27 years ago when I met her. And now it's like, well, I'm starting to fall out of love. How many people have heard people say, well, I just I fell out of love with them? No, it means that you quit choosing them. You just, every day, you didn't go, I choose you again. Oh, no, 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 I choose you. Oh, well, you didn't, you didn't act the way I wanted you to, or you didn't do the thing I wanted you to. Then I now get to make a choice, and I choose you, no matter what you just said or what you just did. I chose you. See, that's the thing is that like may mean that, I mean, my wife liked doing things I didn't like doing. She likes going shopping. I didn't like going shopping. She likes spending my money. I don't like her spending my money. <laughs> See, there was, there was reasons why I might go, well, no. But do you know that she likes music? She likes all these other things. We have a lot in common. But at the end of the day, I still choose her no matter what. See, that's what God does to us every single time. You know, God doesn't always like us, but he loves us. See, that's important because we need to understand that just because we sin or because we get into sin or because we have a problem, God still loves you because he chooses you every single day. Amen? All right, here's a bunch of others that are not in the Bible. You can look them up. I don't really want to go through those. I'm going to get back onto the message here. But we're going to primarily be in John 15 for, for a little bit here. And I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of break down the difference between this love and like type situation. You know, he, he created a smorgasbord, if you will. He created this love feast that he could give us and, and we get to choose just like he gets to choose how we love. In fact, in John 15, 12, it says, This is my commandment that you love. This word love is the agape kind of love. It says, Love one another as I have loved you. Uh-oh. Do we love people the way that, that God loved us? Very seldom. You know what's funny about this is that I think there's a, a, a real reason for this. Y'all want to know what the reason is? I, I'm not going to charge you extra for it. So you have to. Okay. This is what it is. We don't know that we're loved by God. We've heard it. Well, God so loved me. But we go through our day and we get to work and somebody's chewing us out or we're tired. How many people's tired this morning? I'm tired. Do you know that there's a lot of problems that go on and we say our circumstances must mean that God doesn't love us? You know, I was talking to you about this choice with my, my wife. 
Do you know that I don't walk up to her every day and go, do you love me today? I don't go, hey, do you love me? I don't walk up to y'all and go, Betty, do you love me today? You know, Vicky, do you love me today? I mean, I've known y'all for a long amount of time. I mean, I, you didn't call me up every day of the week and, and go, well, Dusty, I still love you today. And then I go, God, I was, I, it was that close. And I just thought I was just going to have to end it all because no one called me up and told me I love them. Do you know that this is the problem that we have in our, in our society is that people look at their circumstance. They look at what you've done for me lately before they say you love me. And see, I know my wife loves me. I've been with her for over 27 years. I know it. I know what she's going to do every single day. She wakes up early. She goes and she gets her breakfast. She gets ready. She goes to work. When she comes home, she makes dinner. We talk about our day. She's asleep on the couch by 7.30, 8 o'clock. She calls it her appetizer. And she can go on for like two hours like that and still go and sleep for eight plus hours. It's amazing, really. I think it's a superpower. If I was to sleep on the couch for 30 minutes, I would, I'd be up for half the night. I mean, but she does it. This is her. I know her. I know every bit about her. I know you don't talk to her about anything after about 7 o'clock because she doesn't remember it. She'll be sitting there going, huh? What? Now, I'm going to tell you that I'm the opposite of that. You don't talk to me. Before like nine o'clock if you want something. Because that is our personality. But I know her. I know she loves me. She doesn't even have to tell me today. And I know it. See, this is the thing. God loves you. And you need to just know it. You need to fully understand that God is so madly in love with you that... He walks around and he, he pulls his picture out to all the angels and goes, look at Joanne right here. I got pictures when she was a baby and I got pictures of right now. And You know that we need to understand that God loves us no matter what our circumstances say. No matter if you got pulled over today and got a ticket or if you, you, know, if you got you know, chewed out by your boss, God still loves you. See, God didn't say, I came to do away with all the angst and the circumstances in your world. He didn't. He came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And see, life has nothing to do with your circumstances. I overcome my circumstances because I have an everlasting life. Amen? Things can be, hell can be going on around me. And I, man, I'm just, there's sometimes I'm oblivious to it. People are like, have you seen this stuff in Israel? And I go, yeah, I saw some of it. You know, I try not to watch it anymore. You know why I'm not trying to watch it anymore? Because it doesn't make any difference in my life. You go, well, you don't want to be informed? No, I believe me. Without even trying, I'm going to be informed. Somebody's going to come up to me and go, did you hear that they did this? Did you hear that that happened? And I'm going to go, Okay. But do you know that that's not my circumstance? And even if it was my circumstance, I'm still going to live 
the life of God in the midst of hell. Because he came and gave it to me and to you more abundantly. This is the thing. We need to understand that God loved us and now you got to love other people the way God loves, not the way you love. Now verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down one's life for a friend. You are my friends, and if you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. He's going to let you in on the secrets. You know, there's plenty of times in my life where I'm going along and I know there's something today that I don't need to go do or there's something that I'm supposed to be that I'm supposed to be doing and I change my I change my plans, I change my direction. Do you know that God is letting you in on the secret because you are no longer a servant, but you're a friend and a family member. And it says right here uh, in verse 15 And it says, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father. I've made known unto you. Verse 16, you did not choose or make a selection. You didn't choose it. He goes, he goes here, me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give you. And these things I command you that you love one another. See, he doubled down. He came back and told you exactly what you were supposed to be doing. See, he doesn't want you to just understand, well, you know, I'm loving people the way I am, you know, the way I feel loved. The way I feel loved is everybody cusses me out, so I go and I cuss them back out. I love you. Right? I had this guy I worked with years ago. He was from New York City. And he said the most God-awful words. The F word was like a, a noun, a, a verb, an adjective, a, a pronoun. It didn't matter. This, this is the way the guy talked. And we'd be sitting there, and I remember Katrina is coming in, uh, and it, you know the, the Category 5 hurricane, and it's about to take over New Orleans. And, and <laughs> Charlie was his name. And Charlie's over there, and he's been saying the F word like crazy, just... Blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, this guy in there goes, Charlie, you kiss your mother with that mouth? mouth? And he goes, yeah, my mom talks like this. <laughs> One of the funniest things is, is he goes, by the grace of God and concrete, New Orleans is going to still be there tomorrow. <laughs> you know, people's theology, people's idealisms about what life is, how they've lived, the the, the moments that they've had with other people, they create and shape us in ways that we've never even thought. See, that's what we need to understand is that when we love people the way that we've been loved, Charlie was going to, if he was going to say, I love you, there was going to be an F word in there somewhere. <laughs> but do you know that, that loving people the way God loved us is not about what we said or what we did. It was about what we understand about who we are and who God is in us so that then we can go and love them the way that we need to for that moment. Just going, I love you, son. You just need to know that. That's good. That, that's, that's helpful. But loving my son is when he had his taillight 
or tag light out and he got pulled over the other night. He comes home and he says, Dad, I got pulled over for this. They gave me a warning, but I've got to get my tag light. So he goes to O'Reilly. He gets the, the, the light and he goes, Dad, I don't know how to put this in. So let's go downstairs. I didn't know how to put it in. We had a long talk about what clockwise and counterclockwise was. <laughs> and then we finally get it in. But that was love. I was teaching him and having interaction with him and trying to help build him up so that from this point on he feels comfortable with doing the things that God has called him to do because he's not just there. I said this last week. God doesn't want to do it for you. He wants to do it with you. See, God wants us to love on people because we're doing it with them. And sometimes that means that you're doing it with people that are like, I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they smell. I don't like the way that they act. I don't like the way that they're doing it. But when God says, hey, you need to go choose them today, you go and choose them. Love is a choice. So whenever you've got your smorgasbord and you get to choose all the people that are out here and God says, hey, choose them. And you're like, they stink, Lord. Hold your nose and go choose them today. You know what? God had a pick of all of, of everybody and he chose you. Jesus chose us for our, for our benefit so we bear fruit. We choose others so that they bear fruit for their benefit. It's just the way the love of God works. We, we have this love that just exudes out of us from the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us. It is so amazing that the moment that you start flowing in the love of God, you, you just don't even understand it. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even believe that I did what I did. Because I wouldn't have done it in my flesh because my flesh was going, don't do it. How many people's had their flesh go, don't do it. I've multiple times in my life. And you know, the first thing that you got to do is you go, shut up, flesh, you're dead. And I'm going to choose these people because they need me today. So the other part of this, you know, if you ain't first, you're Auburn. How many people's Auburn fan in here? Did you just get offended? It was like, Pastor Dusty, I don't like you anymore. Well, that's my point. <laughs> my point is, is that we tend to gather around the people that we are like. Oh, well, you, you're an Auburn fan and I'm an Alabama fan. Well, we can't go watch a football game together. Or we can't be around each other during football season. I had a friend of mine. He actually lives in Alabaster, but they lived up in Adamsville for a while. And he was so just, I mean, he was an Auburn fan. And if Auburn lost, he was mad for three days. He wouldn't even come to church the next day. Like he didn't come to church and say, Lord, help me, help me. He would be like, I'm just going to stay home. Do you know that this was so bad in his life that if you said anything bad about Auburn, even in a joking way, they, he would, he'd get angry and just leave. You know that that has no bearing on love. 
that had bearing on like. He wanted to be around like-minded people that thought the same way that he did, that looked the same way that he did, that acted the same way that he did, that loved the same things. How about, you know, we're about to have, uh, you know, a political, um, you know, we're going to vote uh, for for the next Republican and Democrat, right? That's going to go into the, that's going to go into presidency. You know what's going to happen? Is that there's going to be people that you're around at work or your family or whatever. The moment that you say, oh, well, I'm back in this candidate. Or they say, oh, I'm back in that candidate. The first thing you want to do is go, do you know that candidate believes this? You know, the funny thing about it is, is that I don't think it's a problem to have a discussion about what truth is. I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, some people can't handle it. Some people, the moment you start giving them truth, they can't handle it. So, what now? You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. You know, I, I, I sometimes want to, I feel like I want to do that. I want to go, you know, people are like, well, this is what I believe. And I go, you can't handle the truth because they are so ingrained in what they believe that they can't get past this one thing and it stops them from going to their families it stops from them from going and being friends with other people it creates a divide in people football politics and religion down here in the south that's at least a pretty big one i'm just going to tell you but it says here in verse 18 it says if the world hates you you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19 of, of John 15 says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. This word love, it's in the same John chapter 15 that we had the agape kind of love. So this is a different kind of love. It's not that they would choose you. It means that they would, that they would agree with you. Have you ever been, you know, you go to an Alabama football game or an Auburn football game, you know, 85% of the people there are wearing Alabama or Auburn garb, if it depends on the stadium, right? You go into the place, you're not trying to figure out who's Alabama fans, right? There's a whole 109,000 people going roll tide whenever they make a first down. Do you know that this is the problem that we have is that when if I was to wear Alabama stuff and go down to Auburn, I'd be the, the sore thumb, right? People would be booing me. They'd be, oh, why'd you wear an Alabama shirt to Auburn, blah, blah, blah. You know why? Because people look at it like you just spit on me. See, like and being like-minded and liking people and liking different things it all comes down to this one thing. If I agree with you, then we can be friends. If I disagree with you, sorry. See, you know, there was a time where people understood this concept and they actually would be friends with each other even if they disagreed. But I don't find that anymore. And I work in a corporate environment right now. And in this corporate environment, the moment that people, you find the people that are, that are alike, and the people who are not alike. And they all go sit in their own little corners. And see, this is the problem that we have, is that you find it for football, politics, religion, every single thing. And it says right here, 
It says, if you were in the world and the world loved its own. And it says, yet because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. They detest you. You go start talking about Jesus around somebody and they start. I just it's like somebody just, you know, cracked a rotten egg in this place. You know, that there's a a point that we all need to understand about this is that when we like stuff and we only are around people who are alike and like us, then we're never able to reach those people that don't do things that are like us. God may be calling you today to love on people that you don't like. You know what? And I'm not telling you, let's all dismiss right now. Let's go find somebody we don't like and let's just start loving on them. What I want you to do is I want you to start letting God love on you and then it just comes out of you. That's not love back there. Get your arms off of her. (laughs) See, I want you to understand that, you know, like seems to be love until we disagree. You know, like seems, oh, I mean, I just love you to death. And then all of a sudden somebody says something you don't like and then it's like, well, I know they, they're into that, but I just can't be around them. Well, it seems like love until we disagree. People tend to hang out with those that they agree with. You know, this is just true. Jesus chose us, therefore the world hates us. Why? Simply because we are no longer a part or alike in this world. You know, that you'll go out and you'll find people that dislike you. But if you're the one that turns right back around and says, Ah, I'm still going to choose you. I found people go, We disagree. Why are you still here? It's because I'm not offended. You know, my, my little feelings aren't hurt and offended if you disagree with me. It's because I choose people because they need to be chosen. All right, this is the very end. Matt, you can go ahead and start coming up. All right, you got to love yourself first and then love others. Matthew 22, 39 says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You need to actually love yourself first. You need to let God love on you first. And you can be loved so that you can choose to choose them. Love casts out perfect fear. If you don't have this God kind of love where you're choosing love over fear, because love is is the antithesis of fear, and fear is the antithesis of love. And what happens is is that when love no longer is in you, you, you're afraid. Now, you may be thinking, well, is this like, you know, what we see at Halloween, all the scary monsters and stuff like that? No, that's not what fear is. Fear is things like, I don't know if people love me. I don't know if I have a place in this world. Maybe I'm going to get fired this week. Maybe there's going to be this happen. Is my kids going to be okay? Are they going to get in a car wreck? See, this is the thing is that when you choose people and when you choose to be loved by God, fear doesn't come back on you. 
You know, I find a lot of times that people who sit down and they just worry and worry and worry about their kids and they worry and worry and worry about their job and they worry about the economy and they worry about all these things, it's because they've not allowed love to come in and just cultivate their heart. You know, John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says that with the heart man believes unto righteousness. That's a definition, by the way. Our heart is our believer. And if you've not allowed love to cultivate that heart and get it to the place to where you have the love of God that is just sprouting up, because one of the actual fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith. All of these things start growing out of that tree of love. And it says in 1 John chapter 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts off fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. This made means that it's cultivated. That it is no longer a root and a fruit, but it's gone. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, love and truth grows out of us. It says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. You know, if he's the head, then we're the body. And see, love is where that, is where that connection back to Jesus actually happens. We actually become part of the body of Christ when we start loving each other so that we can gain together the strength to be the body of Christ. There's some people that's a toe and some people that's a mouthpiece and some people that's an ear and all those things, but the head is Jesus. And so out of the top of this, the love of God comes down and it just creates this beautiful body. And that's what we have to understand about Ephesians chapter 4 here is that out of being the head of of what this body is, Jesus himself, he gave himself to be the love of God, to be able to just entangle us as the body of Christ. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered keeps no records of wrongs. It rejoices with the truth and always protects and it always trusts and it always hopes and it always preserves. Love never fails. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. You know, I feel like the Lord is just telling me to just take just a second here and I, I want you to just realize the love of God that that has been shed abroad in your heart, that that God has been throwing this love into your ground, into your believers, so that you could actually spring this fruit of love. Because if you know the love of God that's on the inside of you and you know what God is doing for you, then you're going to know the next things that are going to happen. You're going to know that you can overcome 
You're going to know that you can love your brother as yourself. You're going to know that, that you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. It won't even be an afterthought. You'll just live in it. You know that the love of God is so powerful that it was given and it was received and it was put into the earth so that we could benefit from it. Father, we come to Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over each and every person that is here. That, Father, if that right now, for the people who are saying, I'm, I'm struggling with understanding, is there a love that is for me because I don't feel love today? That, Father, you just show up in their lives and that they just understand and know that the love of God was so pure and so just righteous and, and it was for them. That, you sent your son, even if it was just them, even if it was only one person that was on the earth, you would have sent Jesus to die for them. Father, I want them to know that your love is so complete and so pure and so good so that it lives in them and so that it comes out of them. Father, I pray that as they go this way, this week that you're just bringing people across their path that they can exude the love of God upon and I pray in Jesus name that you are just blessing them I thank you dear Lord that they're having times of refreshing that they're walking in the midst of whatever they're doing in their day and that they're just refreshed and they're 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 energized father and that they are going through their day understanding and they're speaking your word that they're changing the landscape by what they say that they're not just allowing the world to tell them what's going on, but they tell the world what Jesus said. Father, I just thank you. And I praise you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. I just want you to know before you go today that Jesus is so madly in love with you. Just know that. Live in it. He is the person that is in the gap between you and God. You are now a part of the family because of what Jesus did. If that ain't love, then I don't know what is. Because he chose you. Just like an adopted father chooses a kid that has no bearing and nothing. Jesus himself came and chose you. It means that he can't give you away if he wanted to. Y'all have a great week. You're dismissed.